Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome into the Lions 24-7 podcast on a Friday afternoon. Sean Fitz, Tyler Donahue with you. And we've had a lot of fun lately the last few episodes talking about this 2020 Big Ten schedule, what lies ahead for Penn State. But that 2021 recruiting cycle continues to be the monster lurking in the closet. And we've got to address it again. Usually we're pretty good at this stuff, Sean. Uh, We get ahead of the curve. We record for a planned commitment the morning of, and we're ready to roll out the episode right after that commitment drops. We had to press pause on those plans as Thursday developed into Friday, and now we learn Diego Pounds, who we've been waiting on a commitment for for weeks with the anticipation that Penn State would be the choice, and uh, that carried through much of this week ultimately ends up in the recruiting class of the North Carolina Tar Heels. I pass the baton to you, Mr. Fitz. Well, I keep saying it's really unbelievable to follow this 2021 cycle, and it's just, it's no longer unbelievable. You just you just keep getting these hits that keep coming along, and you're just not even surprised anymore. I mean, even when we're sitting there with, with quotes from Diego Pounds about why he commits to Penn State from earlier this week, then he turns around and announces for North Carolina. It's it's really crazy, and it's uh, there. There aren't too many that have played out like that, especially you know as as you have have found in your reporting. I found in mine. He's been operating basically as part of the class for a little while now. And all of a sudden, uh, I would categorize it as cold feet. Turns around, commits to North Carolina, and and logically that makes sense. I mean, this is a kid from North Carolina, uh, not far from from Chapel Hill, who's never been to Penn State. That trip fell through this summer when he was supposed to get up here. Never been to Penn State, never met the coaching staff in person. So logically, it makes a ton of sense. But when things had been going and trending the way that they had for so long, it's really just, it's incredible that the way that this happened. And, and somebody kind of, I uh, was going to drop this one on the podcast today, but somebody beat me to it on the board. 2021 class so far is just Murphy's Law when it comes to Penn State recruiting. I mean, pull out your bingo card. And if you had this happening, I mean, you probably got uh, five spaces, maybe more than that. I mean, it's just, uh, it's really been incredible to watch this come together or, or I guess unravel more so than come together. But uh, it's just amazing. And, and you look back at the cycle of all the misses that they've got. And you saw what Franklin said last week about not being up to the standard. This was one that seemed like a shoe in because that's the, the, the vibes they got from him. That's the words that we got from him, basically. Um, so it's just, uh, it's, it's really incredible to see this thing sort of go the way that, that it's gone over the last few months. It's a program here at Penn State that finished last year inside the top 10 of the Associated Press rankings. They began this season in the preseason poll as a top 10 program. And you look at the recruiting rankings and where those stand right now for the 2021 class. And you're wondering, what am I missing here? The Penn State certainly goes through some, roster, uh, some changes on the staff. But you look at a major move at the offensive coordinator, 
uh, a pretty heralded addition on the offensive line with Phil Troutwine when we're looking at, at the, the staff of impact that, that would really uh, be front and center for a player like Diego Pounds, who, as you mentioned, North Carolina putting that offer on the table this summer felt like that may be a bit late. That's what the reporting suggested. It seemed like Penn State was in a prime spot here despite the lack of a campus visit, uh, which is you know a, ho- a whole different storyline that we're looking at with this cycle. Um, you hear the term, you know, shocking, blindside uh, applied to these decisions sometimes. This truly felt like a blindside hit coming uh, for the Penn State coaching staff, for the Penn State commits who were already on board and felt ready to, to fully welcome Diego Pounds into the class and move ahead. There's a reason that we've had this pegged as commitment number 14 in the 2021 recruiting cycle for the Nittany Lions for a while. Uh, there's a reason why that confidence level was high. And at the end of the day, uh, there there is also a reason why you saw myself, Sean, you did it, uh, Brian Doan and Steve Wiltfong flip our crystal balls on the day of. Uh, that was not by design. That was the result of, of what we gathered in the past 24 hours and, and started to get some real tangible evidence, you and me both, from different conversations we were having yesterday that really, you know, you woke up today and said, this isn't looking good for Penn State. We'll, we'll keep our ears on this thing, see if things evolve. And by the time this decision was approaching in the afternoon, uh, began to be clear cut uh, on which way the wind was blowing and and uh, doesn't make it any easier for anyone to stomach. I know a lot of our listeners had hoped to finish their week here by tuning in and hearing us break down a new commitment. Um, instead, it, it, I know this is kind of the same old story uh, in terms of our conversation that we're having eight days ago. James Franklin talked about the 2021 recruiting cycle and the results not being up to Penn State standard, and and this is not going to make him feel any better as we are now less than three months away from the early signing period with no campus visits officially on the horizon. And you can add Inside Carolina's Don Callahan to that reporting as well, because Don was you know working back and forth with us and Doan and Steve and those guys, and you know they had written him off to Penn State as well for a reason. And you know when I feel that I feel strongly when he announced his announcement uh, announcement of his announcement on Monday that he was going to turn around and commit to Penn State on Friday I, and just something changed late. Uh, it makes, like I said, it makes lo- logical sense, but then this whole cycle has not made logical sense. So you made you, made you think that maybe that they were, you know, just kind of stringing along and, and were in it because guys like Kelvin Gilliam, guys like Nolan Rucci, guys that hadn't been able to get out and see some of these other spots. I guess Rucci's probably not in that, in that category, but uh guy like Gilliam last month, Dejon Warren hasn't been to these schools. So you thought maybe Penn state would, would get lucky and be that other school for once. And it didn't happen. So, uh, the hits just keep coming, man. I mean, it's uh, it's been really uh, unbelievable to watch it, and uh, especially with the success that they've had. And I know they had the coaching changes, and I know they've had, you know, some uh, a lack of momentum at times, and it's a small class and everything. But still, it just uh, there's there's no real good explanation for me. I think everybody wants to know why Penn State is is in this funk, and I don't think there's any one thing that you can point to. Of course, not being able to get these kids on campus for visit to get in front of the staff. We know how big of a deal that is for Penn state. That's a huge uh, part of this, but I don't think there's one thing that's that's driving players away. It's just, it's really frustrating from our point of view. When we report this stuff and we talk about it with, with different contacts and we talk about it, you know, we talk to prospects and we talk to a lot of people and there's really nothing you can put your finger on. And it's, and from, from our aspect, it's, it's very frustrating to follow. And I'm sure for, for the fans listening, for people on the podcast, for people on our board at lines 24, seven it's it's very frustrating and it's uh i just i don't have an answer it's unbelievable 
the Twitter replies, the, the message board comments certainly indicate plenty of confusion out there. And you're listening to us here. Sorry, we can't really alleviate that much. And, and we're doing this on a full-time basis and having these conversations on a daily basis. And yet uh, we're coming to the conclusion that we're confused as well about so much of this. And, uh, you know, and, and meanwhile, lurking in the background of this, Sean, is the continued juxtaposition of what we're seeing take place in the 2022 recruiting class. And we'll, we'll get to that. There's some developments in 2022. Uh, some players are going to actually end up on campus this weekend check things out a little bit uh but so much success in that cycle it's not like penn state has become some kind of a repellent program for recruits at large but here in 2021 i think they like the 13 players that they have on board uh, but this staff must be just incredibly frustrated um, about their inability to expand on that get this thing to the finish line feeling good about it because uh uh, the, the names are dwindling, uh, and and specifically on the offensive line, where I think there is uh, some positive momentum for Phil Trautwein in, in different areas on the recruiting trail. You're not seeing it happen here in the form of commitments in 2021, uh, but the misses have been brutal. This follows up Nolan Rucci. Tristan Lee is looking elsewhere. You know, Penn State looked like a real contender for him earlier in the cycle. Wyatt Milam uh, ends up ends up in West Virginia's class um, to a lesser extent. A couple of those Michigan guys, like Rocco Spindler and his teammate Garrett Dellinger, both have Penn State in their group of finalists. It feels like Penn State has been a hat on the table or the or the next team up for a lot of these different blue chip offensive linemen, and yet we're left looking at the same duo that we saw back in late March. Landon Tengwall, who remains the top-ranked recruit in this class, and then Nate Bruce out of Harrisburg, who committed last October. Yeah, that I mean, that's a good pair, but that's not what you're looking for. I mean, we were obviously setting the bar there with with guys like, and not not even, I mean, Diego was kind of the fallback from that, um, but you had guys like Rucci and, and Tristan Lee, who was on campus a bunch early, Wyatt Milam was the same. Uh, I mean, it's just, uh, it didn't shape up the way that you want it to. And, you know, I, I agree uh, with, with given the situation, how they, you know, Phil Troutman was hi- hired in early January. You get a couple of weeks to get guys on campus. He did get a couple guys on campus, uh, did not get some of the key guys. Rucci obviously never made it back. Tristan Lee didn't make it back. Millen was supposed to come up uh, for that January 18th weekend, could not because of a snowstorm, turns around and commits to West Virginia. So some bad luck there, but uh, it's it's just been incredible, especially when you take the sort of the juxtaposition of the 2022 start that he's had and the, you know, the 2023 guys. And, you know, he's been able to build that relationship out. And, you know, Phil Troutwine, uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. He's he's a. I think he's a great coach. I think he's a really good recruiter. I think he's probably pretty darn frustrated with how this one's played out. Well, I, I did catch up with with Landon Tengwall, and I'm gonna have a story up. I think that's gonna probably go up Saturday morning up online 24 seven. Covered a lot of things. His expectations for eventually getting to Penn State, his relationship with Troutwine, how that's evolved despite the lack of being in the same room ever since he was committed. Um, but uh, you know, I think with Landon there. It, it, you know, this kid is as hyped up as a peer recruiter as, as just about I've encountered. And we've seen that play out on social media. He's a guy that I, I think it would be big to have him rubbing elbows in the stands in Beaver Stadium and recruiting that way, but that's not going to happen. And, and right now, there's a bit of a reservation I'm, I'm sensing where, you know, he realizes this is not going to be the blockbuster class that maybe at one point he hoped it would be. Uh, he, he, you know, he did take to remind me this was never going to be a big class. And we've reminded our listeners of that, that if you thought this class was going to hit 20 after signing 27 last year, you were, you were, your expectations were too high. And right now at 13, I wonder where that final number is going to drop. 
But you know, I think that Franklin's comments last week, I, I know people were like, is that going to hurt the feelings of the prospects? I think they know where they stand. They are meeting consistently with the coaching staff. And as I said, I think there's a, a true appreciation for the 13 players on board in this class. And I don't sense really any feebleness uh, in terms of those commitments, any flimsiness, particularly with Landon Tangwall. This guy's all in on Penn State. And I think we've pretty much heard that uh, across the commitment structure. But I, I think they are kind of left wondering, like us, where did things go wrong? Uh, you know, there's this list of targets and you keep crossing them off and you're not putting them in the Penn State commitment column and you cross off another and he's not in the Penn State commitment column. All of a sudden, we'll get to a few other names, but it feels like the only long-standing name, and by long-standing, I mean a guy who's been on that board for a while, is a name that we've hammered home with our coverage on 24-7 Sports. Derek Davis is really the only name that resonates out there out of Western Pennsylvania. Still out there, the safety. He was the first target in this 2021 recruiting class as a freshman for Penn State. I'm not sure he ends up at Penn State. He's been a hard one to read. Um, but but really, like it's, we just keep crossing the names off, Sean. And it's not like we've been replacing them with new, exciting, uh, fresh names. And all of a sudden, it feels like we're just down to a few. Commitments will be coming up. And and not a lot of signs pointing towards some kind of giant boost coming Penn State's way in the next few weeks or months. It seems it would be a surprise for them to get to 18, and I think that's been the ballpark number for a while now. And given what's out there, I mean, you've got Derek Davis. Uh, we talked to George Rooks this week uh, out of Jersey City, defensive lineman. Seems to be Penn State or Michigan there with a, with an announcement coming soon. Um, you know, it's just there's there's not a ton of guys that are out there. Uh, Amari Daniels, you wrote about this week that uh, he has a top four is going to trim it, trim it to two. I still don't see Penn State taking a running back in this class. I think the only way that they really would do so would be Donovan Edwards out of Michigan, and that doesn't seem to be happening. So I'd be surprised if they ended up taking a running back, especially after grabbing those two last year. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's the, the names just keep on shrinking. You're, you, you pretty much have taken – not all the offensive line names off the board, but most of the offensive line names off the board. Do you have to re- uh, rely on flipping somebody? Um, you know, which works out for sometimes, doesn't doesn't in others, and especially when you can't get those guys onto campus, that uh, changes some things. Defensive line, of course, Davon Townley's still out. Have have heard recently. Uh, you know, talked to Alan True a little bit this week. They're trying to get out and make some visits. I don't know how realistic that is. They just started playing in Minnesota again, um, so he wants to get out uh, with his mom and visit these schools. Penn State, of course, is on that list uh, you know top two top three in that area of course minnesota's right down the street so we can visit them anytime they want so logically you know once again there's that word logically it's it's going to be a tough pull for townley patrick payton's still out there and then a, a big name kind of back on the board this week brian dome was down in philadelphia talking to uh, some guys at imhotep uh, they've got a great uh, class of 22 um and, and philly is very tight-knit city very tight-knit football city started to get out there that elijah judy the former georgia commit sort of you know percolating along. Dion Barnes has been involved in that from the start. Of course, Dion was his defensive coordinator at Northeast, is now a graduate assistant at Penn State. Uh, But, uh, you know, Judy was set to flip to Texas A&M. That didn't happen. He left the door open, said he was going to commit on on signing day. So, you know, if you're ready to get hurt again, I think Penn State's gotten a little bit of momentum there. I still think A&M is the team to beat. But that relationship is is important to him, and that's something that they can sort of keep chipping away for. So, yeah, as as you mentioned, that the names are steadily shrinking, and it's not uh, not a really good look. It it is short of expectations. I wouldn't say the class sucks, but I'd say the cycle sucks. You know, if you're taking a look at how to approach um, handling the 2021, uh, I guess gauging the 2021 class. And and just just hopefully to to pull people maybe a little bit further away from the panic button, and maybe too late for some of you. 
let's remember the eligibility clock is is on pause right now in the NCAA. That goes for Penn State. The 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 kids who have freshman status right now are staying at freshman status. The kids who have sophomore status are staying there as well. Now it will still be applicable, and you're talking about draft prospects three years and gone could be the case for some of these players, and and some may actually have a freshman eligibility when they make that move when all is said and done. Uh, but but just a reminder there that the roster numbers are are, are looking a lot different from a personnel standpoint. But here in the 2021 cycle, defensive line, you mentioned George Rooks, Sean, as a name out of St. Peter's in, in, in Jersey City, um, a guy who's, you know, Michigan's right there as well, as you say. Um, but the defensive line, you know, we've heard a lot about Deion Barnes making inroads back home in Philadelphia. We've gotten a lot of questions on John Scott, and we know he played a role in, in flipping Rodney McGraw from Indiana, which maybe at the time didn't seem like a big deal, but here, six months or whatever it is, four months later, sure seems like a much larger uh, event on the timeline of this cycle because he is your only defensive lineman on board and he has impressed early as a senior. Uh, but really, if Elijah Judy can, can, you know, if he's back into the, the mix of possibilities here, that's a big step forward. A guy who can be uh, an effective edge rusher for you, maybe. But right now, the defensive line class and, and John Scott's debut came on late. We talked about this, brought him in in February, mid February. Um, didn't leave much wiggle room, but I feel like talking on the offensive line, and that's the the focal point today with Diego Pounds. You flip it over to the other side of the trenches. There's a lot of a lot of bodies right there on the roster for Penn State. A lot of guys with that freshman eligibility, but you just wonder what kind of a, an influx they're actually going to ultimately get out of this 2021 cycle when it's all said and done. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and I do agree with you. I think you know combining them with the 2020 class, and that was a big group on both of those parts. Um, but still, I mean, you, you you can't miss just repeatedly on these guys. I mean, you can talk about you know you you could have taken this guy, you could have taken that guy, but you know at the end you want to get those numbers where they need to be with quality players. And you know you'd love a Gilliam right now, you'd love a George Wilson right now at defensive end, but you know you're down to those uh, final few targets and you don't want to reach. And and I think that's the thing on both sides of the line. You you really don't want to reach and you don't want to have to go out there and take a guy just to take a guy, especially considering the eligibility circumstances. But I mean, you got to hit sometime, you know? Uh, so I, I think that's the thing to, to get, uh, I think there was a discussion on our board earlier today about is, you know, is Diego Pounds better than Ibrahim Traore or, or Olu Fashano? Jimmy Christ, yeah. Jimmy yeah. Christ. And, and that really doesn't matter. I mean, you want to get all those guys. You don't want to get some here and some there and see who develops and see who doesn't. You want to get all of them and see who develops and who doesn't. So I think that's, you know, it's a, it, it's ob- obviously a miss. Um, but yeah, up front is, is a spot where they've been able to throw numbers at and they've taken a lot of guys, but you know, you want to keep that up and you want to continue to do what you need to do, um, to solidify both sides of the lines because, you know, we've seen bad offensive lines at Penn State. I mean, we're no stranger to, to watching a bad offensive line at Penn State, but the, the way that it's built up, you know, Matt Leibniger, I think did a, did a pretty good job getting where he needed to get, but he probably maxed himself out. I think Phil Troutwine has the ability to take that to the next level. Well, you got to continue to get guys. Now they do have Drew Shelton in the next class. You mentioned Tangwall and Nate Bruce in this class, but you know you need more than two offensive linemen. I mean that's uh, it's just a numbers. I mean that's a that's a pure numbers thing. So be interesting to see which direction they go. Do they offer some more kids? Uh, the Louisville commit that's uh, that that whose name is escaping me right now is a guy that I look to. Um, Ohio State offered him not too long ago. Some other schools have have taken an increased uh, look at him. There's guys committed to schools in the region that you could take a look for, take a look at guys that can probably get out on a weekend and check things out. And I think that's 
an interesting thing now with the with the dead period is you you've got guys that can come check out campus and that won't get on any, anybody's radar so you can do that fairly safe so it'd be interesting to see if that one pops up and then there also there was also a 21 uh, crystal ball this week from Brian Doan uh, uh, Darnell, uh, Khalil Dinkins, the, the tight end athlete out of Western Pennsylvania. I think he's a really good player. I think he's a, a guy that can play at this level. Uh, I'd love to see him on defense, but, uh, he, he sees himself as a tight end and, uh, Penn state, uh, seems to be in a good spot according to Dome. Yeah, that, that one was an interesting crystal ball pick and tight ends and other spot where we've been saying like running back because of what you've done there on recent recruiting cycles and 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 what you have with this pause on eligibility and, and what that could mean for your numbers in the next couple of years. Maybe it's not a, a position you address here, but, um, you know, I, I think he is a, a kid from and and from an area uh, that that you would be wise to, to make that move. And, and I think, you know, the athleticism could extend beyond the tight end position. I don't know where he is uh, in terms of embracing that aspect, but you watch the film. You, you can imagine him in a couple other spots, but tight end uh, as of right now, after after signing a, a pair of guys in the 2020 cycle and and you have Brenton Strange and, and Zach Koontz. I think I did the math a couple weeks ago. It was uh, four players who are going to carry freshman eligibility. If you were to bring in a Dinkins in this class going into the 2022 season, even, uh, or I'm sorry, 2021 season, you had four guys with freshman eligibility, uh, which is a lot. Uh, but uh, I don't think Tyler Bowen is going to you know turn away talent. Uh, they want to stock. You want to stockpile that. You want to create that competitive atmosphere. But yeah, where where it concerns me more is is on the offensive and defensive fronts because you have a lot of bodies there. But I think you have a, a number of guys who could be qualified as projects, and, and whether it's mental, physical, uh, medical, or cultural, th- some guys are going to go by the wayside. It's not going to work out for them at Penn State. And let's also remember here that you're just three years removed from being one of only two Power Five programs, along with Ohio State, that signed two top ten tackles, and you only got one out of the deal because Nana Asedu had a heart condition. You got Rashid Walker; he's a hell of a player, but he's not going to be around at Penn State much longer, I don't think, because he's a hell of a player. Uh, so you you got to address, and, and and if there's anywhere you want that kind of luxury of a stockpile going three deep, where you feel okay about it, it is across those defensive and offensive fronts because when things get thin. Like you said, Nittany Lions fans have seen what that looks like. Yeah, and, and it's great to have those numbers at tight end, at running back. The talent that they have there is is remarkable, but you know, you'd know you like to have that on the offensive line. You'd like to have that on the defensive line. You'd like to have that everywhere, but there are some places when it shows up a little bit more. So I think that uh, you know that's uh, just the continuing themes of the 2021 class. They just keep ringing. Um, you, you talk about guys like George Rooks, and you know we, th- we think Penn State has an edge for George Rooks, but given the way that they've gone— sort of gun shy right now. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's tough to predict Penn State for for a lot of these people just because you've seen so many things, especially, you know, you've got Diego Pounds in the boat and, you know, still can't get it across the line. So that's just, it's been unbelievable the way that it's played out. The 22 cycle, conversely, as we switch uh, switch gears and we'll hit on the other side of the uh, the commercial break, 22 going much better. And it's just, it's, it's an anomaly. It's really incredible to see how different that can be on one side to the next. That's right. And we will touch on quickly again, the 2021 class in our mailbag, maybe some possibilities at the back end of this cycle as signing day gets closer and the season is actually on the football field and Penn State's performing and maybe impressing a little bit. We'll circle back there, but coming up, like Sean alluded to, we're going to touch on some 2022 topics because as, as usual, trending in a more positive direction than where we have been with the 2021 recruiting trail. Stay with us on the other side of the break. Some happier news. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Well, you know what always makes our listeners feel a little bit better and, and quite frankly, is a little bit more fun, a lot more fun to talk about these days. The 2022 recruiting cycle been very good to the Nittany Lions so far. Six commitments on board, five of them of the four-star variety, and the one who's not is considered the number 10 dual-threat quarterback in 24-7 sports composite ranking. So again, a lot to like about what Penn State has constructed at this stage of the cycle. An opportunity to impress a little bit more, and Ken Talley, uh, Sean, he, Landon Tang will actually told me uh, that he wanted to tip his cap to Ken, Ken Talley as really getting off to a good start as a peer recruiter, someone who's been really proactive. That's going to be huge because we know how important uh, you know, word of mouth is among those Philadelphia recruits when it comes to coaching staffs, when it comes to campus location, and, and when it comes to just saying, hop in the car, let's go for a trip and let's check out a campus. That's going to happen this weekend. Uh, Ken Talley getting back to, to Penn State where he committed to on September 8th. He won't be alone. Raleigh Collins and Sean Battle, two cornerbacks uh, out of Philadelphia. Collins in the 2022 class, Battle in the 2023 class. Both were offered earlier this year. Um, and, and Battle has been to campus, was at the pit game last year in Beaver Stadium. But Collins, this will be a first time for him. Uh, Drew Shelton's going to be making the trip uh, to Penn State on Sunday as well. So you have a couple commitments leading the way. But a uh, chance for two young Penn State targets in Collins and Battle um, out of Newman Garetti uh, High School, having a chance to take a look in, again, an unofficial visit capacity. Very unofficial. And that's a worth reminding people that the dead period has been extended and they won't be able to actually meet coaches or do anything with the coaching staff. The coaching staff will have get inside the facility. Yeah. The, the coaching staff will have them uh, have some uh, points of interest, I guess, to check out, but you really can't do a ton of recruiting. But just getting on campus, getting the feel will give them some sort of, uh, you know, I guess some sort of feeling that. Uh, you know, you, you wouldn't get otherwise just by looking at the virtual visits and things like that. And they've had some success with that with with guys in this offseason. But to get these guys together as a group to sort of, you know, I, I wouldn't say publicize it, but Tally's going to, you know, 
tell you what he had for breakfast on, on Twitter every day or whatever. Um, so, but, but, but you can publicize it, get it out there, get yourself a little buzz because when you do that, you sort of have this ripple effect guys saying, okay, well, I can check that out. I want to do this or I want to join in or maybe, Hey, these guys will be up there. Maybe I want to meet up with them up there or something like that. So yeah, but the, it's a good start. I mean, Shelton and Tally, two commits, Raleigh Collins, who's a pretty good player. He's actually from Delaware, but he's going to play at Newman Goretti this year. And Sean Battle, I think, is going to be really good. So uh, you get these guys up there and you get some buzz. And, you know, it's that, that continuing that effort that you're putting into Philadelphia, trying to get some return out of that. Of course, got a couple of commits from there. And I think I think this is something I've sort of tried to hammer home with the uh, with the 2022 classes. You know, I think the more people that they have on board the earlier in the class, the better, because, you know, you can not just do the peer recruiting, but you can sort of lean on the other other guys and and have them feel a little bit more comfortable and I think that's something that the 2021 class is lacking you've got you know you've got your pods you've got your Michigan guys you got some guys down in Maryland and things like that but you don't really have the cohesive unit that you typically have especially when these guys could have been on campus for the blue white game for the lash bash for things of that nature so I think that is something that if you can get your numbers up and it's got to be the right people let's be honest but if you can get your numbers up in the 2022 class early I think it should pay dividends uh, down down the road for some other prospects. I think it's important for Penn State. It's important for these commits that that they're checking out campus, getting a feel for that atmosphere and the environment. Um, and and it's even better when they have company with them. And that will be the case here. And you'll have Ken Talley, you know, maybe pointing some things out about what led him to end up committing to Penn State. And I'll have the whole car ride home to kind of digest and 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 maybe he can answer some questions again uh, but you know and and they can catch up with the staff and they can follow up with questions it's not like they're not they're going to be totally unplugged from from being able to to talk with the staff about their experience it's just they're not going to be able to to have that normal campus visit that that a player would where you're touring program facilities and and getting inside a bunch of buildings and and matching faces to names a little bit better instead of doing that virtually uh I, Sean Battle you say thinks he's going to be pretty good a lot of power five programs would agree one year of high school football under his belt uh, Arizona State Nebraska Ole Miss Pitt Rutgers Syracuse Tennessee Texas A&M and West Virginia are the other offers for him already Raleigh Collins over a dozen offers at this point halfway through his high school career um, as I said the first trip to campus for him battles been there um, I, I think you know this this is important Philadelphia is crucial and Dion Barnes is, is going to help you um, you know maybe pop open some doors or keep some doors open that otherwise may have closed on you uh, Terry Smith going to be important uh, in that area as well but I think if to be able to lean on some peer influence in Philadelphia is going to go a long way you know I, I wrote something about Bo Previle the quarterback in the 2022 class at a Central York High School we talked about him starting off with five touchdown passes last Friday for his season but he understands the importance of keeping guys in in the home state and, and that has been missing here in the, in the last couple of cycles and, you know, he's focused in on guys in his region, Nick Singleton, uh, Anthony Ivey. Um, you know, he's, he's talked about a few players in that area. But Philadelphia, you know, it's its own it's its own universe for, for a lot of these kids. And uh, Ken Talley uh, has a good lay of the land there. And, and I think it's huge to have a kind of a mouthpiece of your class right there in the city. And, and Anai White's the name that we uh, aren't going to see or, or talk about being on campus uh, this weekend from what we understand. But uh, the, the, the gem of this Pennsylvania recruiting class, when you look at 
at the rankings and, and a kid who's a five-star status right now at defensive end, um, there's just a lot of names already on the radar for 2022 and 2023 in Philadelphia. And uh, boy, it's a good time to have the ball rolling in the right direction. Yeah, Nye White, uh, Brian Dome went down and checked uh, him out this week. Very impressive prospect. I think it's interesting. You kind of approach this one a little bit differently. In the last couple cycles, Penn State's been beaten out for the number one player in Pennsylvania. To, of course, two site or last year, Julian Fleming, this year, Nolan Rucci. And you kind of expected, you know, at the, at the outset of the, uh, of the recruiting process, you thought both of those guys were going to Penn State. I think it's a little bit different with Anaya White. I think you have to uh, set your expectations for, you know, he's looking SEC, he's looking, he loves Clemson. Um, so I don't think Penn State's playing from a position of power. Um, I, I think they'll be in the mix for a while now, for a while. Um, but this is a very different recruitment than, uh, than those last two guys. So be interesting to see. Can it, can they stay in? I think Dion Barnes has done a phenomenal job of, of being there. Terry Smith as well. Taylor Stubblefield has been in and around there. And, and you've got, you know, it's sort of been uh, just a complete team effort to get those position coaches in there. Phil Troutwine's, of course, there with Drew Shelton. And I mean, you've got, it's almost an all hands on deck situation when you're talking about Philly, because Philly, that next class is so good. And that community is so tight. I mean, you've got you know, you've got a couple of, of really good schools in there. And, and it's interesting to watch, you know, the dynamics of that. You've got, you know, Northeast guys and Imatep guys. And then you've got your St. Joe's prep guys that are, you know, in a little bit of a different boat. And it's just, you know, there's so many things at play. But in the end, you know, Philly is is got to be very important to Penn State. And it's got to be more appealing. You know, Penn State's got to be more appealing to those Philly kids. Having Barnes in there helps, but you've got to, you know, make that an entire staff effort. Starts at the top and and, and trickles its way down. Keenan Nelson, another name to know there. You mentioned St. Joe's. Uh, he's a guy, I believe you mentioned on a recent podcast episode, uh, has a lot of respect and, and in fact, uh, models his game a little bit after John Reed, uh, who used to start St. Joe's there in Philly, New Jersey kid, now a rookie with the Houston Texans after starting 40 games with the Nittany Lions. So, look, you got John Reed. Uh, got that Jersey kid reference. Yeah, in yeah. You got John Reed. Uh, and, and, oh, by the way, Mike Kosicki caught a touchdown last night. Got that reference in too. Um, but you've got Sharif Miller, Shaka Tony. Guys who were, you know, productive players, and Shaka Tony still has a senior season ahead of him, and, and, and Sharif Miller went off to play for the Eagles for a year, and, and now with the Carolina Panthers. But, I mean, it, it hasn't been like the big headliner out of Philly, uh, particularly in, in recent cycles. And and Ken Talley, may, maybe he can be that guy. You know, uh, he's... he's I mean, I don't, I don't know if he, you know, he's playing a position where it's, it's not always the glamour position as a defensive end slash linebacker. He's that hybrid kind of guy. We're not talking about a quarterback or, or a superstar running back out of Philly. Some positions that maybe get a little bit more print and press within the local community. But Ken Talley's a good start, and if you can create some kind of domino effect to give him some company in those efforts, I think that'll go a long way. We'll, we'll hopefully catch up with with these guys like Collins and Battle coming off this trip. See what they're thoughts were and I'm just curious to see kind of where Penn State is and, and, and what they're kind of setting up for these guys uh, obviously they're not going to have players come into campus and flying blind I, I'm certainly curious to see how programs like Penn State are adapting to the fact that they have visitors on campus but those visitors aren't actually you know with under their direction during that time and during those hours they are in town so it's a whole new world I, I'm definitely um, you know I'm going to be really uh, interested to see uh, what that looks like and, and because I think this is we're going to su- probably start to see this w- a more routine basis now that we have from the NCAA confirmation, unless something changes, no 
in-person recruiting through the end of 2020, if you think parents and, pl- and prospects are just going to sit idle and not get to campuses over the course of these next three months, uh, you know that, that that's not going to be the case. And I think that could happen in 2021, certainly 2022 and 2023, guys. How are programs like Penn State ensuring that they are getting the message across about what campus life will be like without actually hosting you and having a player host you and then how important that can be for 48 hours on an official visit. Uh, it, it's wild, man. It is wild. And it's, and it's been one of those things that's hit, hit, excuse me, has hit Penn state harder than most because you got to get those guys on campus, get that vibe, get, get around those coaches and, just hasn't happened in this cycle and you see how it hasn't happened. And now it's not going to happen to the end of the calendar year. I think that's interesting. I know we're talking 2022, but you know, Derek Davis is a guy who, you know, when I've talked to him has been adamant. He wants to get out and see these places. Well, it's not possible anymore. I mean, you, you can get out and, and go to these, th- you know, he wa- he wanted to take official visits. He wanted to do all this kind of stuff, but now you're going to have to go do the, the drive-by essentially, the drive-by visit essentially. And it's, it's not going to happen because he's a January enrollee. So it's very, very intriguing to see how this is going to come together. Not only that, but setting yourself up in 2022. I think Penn State's been fortunate because a lot of the guys that they've had, uh, you know, commit already have been on campus multiple times. Um, there's no rhyme or reason to how this has come together in 2022 but they've gotten that head start they've gotten some momentum and as we've seen in recruiting momentum you know sometimes can be all you need we're going to jump into the five-star mailbag in a sec but before we turn the page from the 2022 class quick birthday shout out to Caden Saunders a guest of this show following his commitment the initial member of the 2022 class and I don't necessarily bring him up because it is his 17th birthday here on Friday but because of what he's done in his first four games I took a took a look at that this morning, Sean, uh, and, and the kid has already surpassed his production from 2019 over the entire uh, sophomore campaign through four contests here. And it's great to see Ohio football and them getting through these games and getting to play the next one and the next one. Uh, to this point, it's been okay for his squad at, at Westerville South. Uh, but 20 catches for 430 yards, that's almost 22 yards a catch and five touchdowns through four games. And uh, the team has been explosive. He has been a catalyst along the way. And last year, he, he didn't break 400 yards. He got four touchdowns on the season, and he had 20 catches as a sophomore. So he said he felt like he had a lot to prove still, despite all the Power 5 offers, despite his Penn State commitment. And he wanted to do that when he hit the field. He was having his fingers crossed he would get a chance to play high school football. He's out there. He's doing big things. We have highlights up on lines 24-7, uh, along with a bit of a write-up on, on, on what he has accomplished thus far and what he means to this Penn State class but clearly a good thing to see because as much as we can point to the measurements and and the and the the, the 40 times for this kid and his uh, dual sport abilities that got a lot of attention as baseball he's out there he's producing and, and that's great to see from a Penn State standpoint I remember writing that commitment story and, and looking at those stats and thinking is there is there something more to this? Did we, did we right, miss something? Right. And I know he had uh, you know a little bit of an injury history uh, there as a sophomore, but you know so far uh, the the kid can play. <laughs> There's been no issue with stats this year, other than you know maybe he's not getting you know uh, getting to play to the end of games because they're doing yeah. so well. So no, it's been really fun to watch him. I think his tape's really good, uh, speed and balance and just kind of everything that you look for in a slot receiver. You like what do you see from him? And he's he's been a class leader, and I think that's one reason that Penn State started to stack up. The these guys in 2022 uh time for mailbag sean and and this is going to bring us right back in ready or not into the 2021 conversation um a question here and i think it's it's a good one it's one we've kind of mulled ourselves with games back on the 2020 calendar for penn state would a great season have any effect on getting back in with some of those top 2021 recruiting targets 
I know visits still aren't allowed, but for example, if the offensive line plays lights out or if the offense looks dynamic, does that change the mind of any 2021 recruits that Penn State has missed out on to this point? Very valid question, and it's something I've been wondering for a while. I, I think it does. I mean, I think it changes a little bit um, in terms, you know, you, you can't get these guys on campus. Uh, typically at this time, you would invite them, invite those big guys to the whiteout. They'd be able to maybe sneak that trip in or get a late official visit in, and you can't do that this year. So that's going to cut down on it. But, you know, I think you can you can probably pick two or three guys that, you know, could pop up on the radar late and, and make uh, make a change, uh, so to speak. It's going to be so hard without visits. We talked about that flip season, that anticipated flip season pretty much all spring with the, you know, with the intention of, you know, we'd be talking about visits. We'd be talking about fall, you know, fall on officials and things like that because that's obviously a big deal, but that's not going to happen. I don't think the flip season is going to be all that big, and I think it's going to be fairly standard uh, operating procedure. Now, are there guys that have been on campus before they made a decision? Are there guys that haven't been to another school that want to, you know, maybe they have committed to another school that want to check things out or want to at least explore the option? Or, you know, you can get roped into that stuff. I mean, everybody, you know, every time there's a great season, you know, you've got these guys that are like, Hmm, maybe I'd turn around and, and, and have second thoughts about one school, have uh, second thoughts about another school and, and end up flipping, you know, they keep the lines of communication open for a lot of players. A lot of guys that commit elsewhere, you know, there's, there's some very good relationships of guy with guys that have gone elsewhere. So I think it's a legitimate question. I, I, I struggle with seeing a massive flip season or anything like that, uh, especially with the lack of room left in the class. But yeah, I think there will be some guys that resurface eventually. You already saw Elijah Judy start, sort of creeping back into the picture this week. And, you know, I think guys like that, that maybe are committed to schools far away that, you know, you you maybe have a chance to circle back around or, or you've already been keeping in touch with them. I think, I think it's a perfectly legitimate scenario. It certainly can happen who it's going to be. I mean, that, that usually pops up later in the, in the process. Well, you don't have to wait long for a huge opportunity to turn everybody's head, not just on the recruiting trail, but in the college football universe. Halloween night, I think, you know, these kids are seniors in high school. They've probably outgrown the, the trick-or-treating thing. If they haven't, then maybe they'll miss out on the action. But Ohio State, Penn State, I mean, what more can you ask for? If, if you want to make a move that late in the recruiting cycle after, you know, standing pat here and having no visits, that's a big opportunity to get to move the meter in, in some way and be able to point to that. Receiver continues to be a position I go back to. I, I know, I mean, I know they've got the two four stars on board uh, with Lonnie White and, and, and Liam Clifford, and, and and maybe maybe they won't bring in a third guy. But I just have to imagine that if this team goes out there and and, and looks uh, significantly uh, just more well put together and, and efficient in the passing game, particularly incorporating the wide receivers and getting some big receiver numbers in the box scores, in the end zone, um, and beyond Jahan Dotson, some of the new guys, some emerging young talent, some new faces and names to to match to that position for prospects who are considering or were at some point considering playing wide receiver for Penn State. That'll be a huge step forward. I could see that turning some heads, maybe bringing you back into the fold with guys who have seemingly moved on or maybe getting the attention of guys who have committed elsewhere and maybe in their past had attended a Penn State game or got to a Penn State camp or have some kind of connection to the Nittany Lions that that to this point hasn't really been discussed much. Um, but right now, Sean, I, I think really 
you stand to gain a lot. I, I don't think, you know, I don't necessarily see Penn State, um, you know, whether they whether they handle their business or, or fall apart at Indiana. I think it's that week two game against Ohio State in the spotlight uh, where they'll have a real chance to make a move and, and take advantage of that. But I, I, I'm, I also am hesitant to say that because, like you said, uh, you, how many of these guys are going to want to get on campus and how many parents are going to want to get on campus who's willing to accept the fact that that's not going to happen and and are you willing to make a, a commitment flip or, or kind of commit blindly? We've already heard Frank, Franklin say they anticipate signing somebody uh, or multiple people who have never been to Happy Valley. So if you're willing to take that plunge as a coaching staff, I think you could probably find the right match uh, with with a with a parent and a prospect. And um, I do think there is something to gain here, and I certainly think it's it's on the offensive end if you're going to look at a positional spot, uh, and it's in that passing game. I, I think you really have a chance to, to catch the attention of receivers and, and down the line, quarterbacks. They're going to be of the younger variety outside of the 2021 class, but I think you know to be able to put that out there instead of having having to go into 2021 into next winter without having Kirk Shiraka having coached a single game for you. This is kind of a boost that we weren't really sure was going to happen. And and four weeks out, we're still not certain it's going to happen. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think, I think January will be interesting, not so much because of your flipping guys or anything like that. But if you go into December uncommitted, you're, you're, you know, you're, you, there's no reason that you have to sign in that first signing period. So gives you an opportunity to get out there and, and maybe improve your stock. Maybe if you hold off on those and, and, you know, you can see some quality players come across the board in January. And, and, and we've seen it in the last couple of years. They've been able to sort of reshuffle their deck and get ready and over that Christmas break and then sort of hit January with an, an adjusted plan. So I think that'll be an interesting part of this process. And maybe by then you have official visits and, you know, you can get something uh, on the board because you're talking what, 13 commitments right now, probably 18 guys in this class. Maybe, maybe they get to that number. So, I mean, you're, you're talking five more guys. It doesn't seem like a lot, but you know, it, uh, from, from the way that they, the way that things have been going, it, it might be a little bit different. And, and I do think matching stars to positions, that matters on the recruiting trail. You can do that at tight end right now if you're Penn State. You can do that at running back if you're Penn State. Um, it would mean a lot for Penn State if, if you have like a Jason Oway or an Adiza Isaac step up and become a monster off the edge, be, become someone who, who was really getting talked about as a top NFL draft prospect. That will help you go out and find the next guy to fill that position down the road. Uh, same goes for, for a Brandon Smith. You know, if, if, if Micah Parsons is, is gone and moved on, Brandon Smith, if he can emerge as a name that's, that's all of a sudden buzzing across the college football world, well, maybe that leads you to the next Brandon Smith on, on the recruiting trail. It might not be 2021, but, but moving ahead, I think as long as you can replace the former stars with new stars, that's how you stay perennially relevant on the recruiting trail and, and, and keep that door open with the top talent in the country. You can match star power to certain positions right now at Penn State. But there's a few other spots that, you know, if you go out and play eight games, nine games this year and you have success there and you see new names rise up and rise up those NFL draft boards, that means something. Well, playing is is better than being out of sight, out of mind. And I think you're right. Uh, you get a chance to develop some of those guys and, you know, you show some of these positions where you've got new coaches. Maybe you get a breakout with uh, with one of those wide receivers or the defensive ends, as you mentioned, and, you know, get get yourself a little street cred with some of these coaches. I think you'll be in a good shape. So, yeah, I do. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. 
Well, a lot of recruiting on the agenda for this episode. A lot of it not so fun. Some of it a a little bit more fun. And and I don't know if this was therapeutic for any of our listeners out there, but we're going to come back next week and turn our attention uh, back to this current roster, back to the upcoming season schedule. Uh, This Saturday marks four weeks until that scheduled opener at Indiana, October 24th. We've got our countdown to kickoff still rolling. Hasn't been a reason to pause it yet, so we're down to 28 on Saturday, and we'll keep the days dwindling and put some more focus on the team. We'll also try to catch up with some of these visitors over the weekend who are making the trip to Happy Valley and check out things from a recruiting standpoint there. Throw in your five-star mailbag question up on Apple Podcasts with your rating and review. We're excited to keep diving into those. A really good one today. Thanks for that question. And of course, stay informed on all of this stuff and more on lines247.com. On behalf of Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue, wishing everyone a great weekend. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.